Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Bim Dave, the Executive Vice President of Helm360, a provider of legal technology products and services. Hi, Bim. How are you? I'm very good, Ari. Great to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So tell us about your background and your role at Helm360. So here at Helm360, I'm EVP, as, as you mentioned, and I look after all of our products and services that really serve the legal market. Our goal is really to help customers implement best of breed solutions, whether that be our own solutions or solutions from the market. Prior to that, I spent 16 years at Thomson Reuters, where I played various roles. That was my first foray into legal technology. So my first job there was as a technical support analyst, first guy in Europe that was kind of supporting their elite product line. And so kind of worked my way up the ranks, uh, spent a few years doing that, learning customer systems, uh, went on to manage the EMEA uh, support team over there. Um, and then my final role there over the last few years that I was there was as their uh, global director of global technology services. So what I was doing there was really helping customers on their implementation journey, where we had a lot of legacy customers that were running old platforms that were, you know, 10, 15 years old, and then really trying to bring them onto new technology like Thomson Reuters 3E platform, for example, and really helping customers with that journey and that migration path, developing tools and systems to kind of get them there as efficiently as possible, and really looking after everything from the data, moving the data across more efficiently, all the way through to customizing systems, building workflows, and all of that fun stuff. How does the Helm 360 team select tools for its portfolio? A couple of different things. Firstly, we try to focus on what customer need is. So it's really easy for us to kind of look at which products are great in the market because we can go and do an assessment of those and go and understand what their features and functionality are. But really what it comes down to is, does it fit the customer's need, right? So, and what we really focus on is understanding those elements. So when we're looking at all of the products in the market, we're really starting with that starting point of listening to the customer, understanding the footprint of the business systems that they have. And typically most of the firms that we deal with will have like multiple business systems from different vendors. And a lot of the challenge is making sure that not just that you're selecting a good product for them, but actually thinking about how you then integrate those products together to make a meaningful experience. What technology challenges are your clients most eager to solve? So it, it, can, it can vary. So from a technology perspective, it really integration, like I mentioned, is probably like the biggest pain points that we see across the board. Um, data migration and keeping data in a state that's usable is also a bigger challenge these days, given how much data we store about our customers and about the transactions that we may be making for customers and then putting that to, to good use. So it's great that we have all of these mechanisms of putting all of that data in a system. But what we find our customers struggle with is, is really making sure the maintenance of that data and the cleanliness of that data, accuracy of the data, integrity of it is maintained to a level that you can actually use it for something that can be trustworthy, right? Like a trustworthy source of, of, of information. And that plus duplication, right? As I mentioned, where you have this kind of ecosystem of different products that overlap in some shape or form mostly, you may have, for example, you know, matters living in one system, 
that have been duplicated into another system for you for time entry, for example. And really what customers do sometimes struggle with is, is making sure they understand what system is going to be the primary system of truth for that element of data, right? And then making sure that from an integration perspective that flows through correctly so they can really achieve what they need to achieve from the data management side of things. What impact are more advanced applications such as artificial intelligence having on these challenges in the way lawyers practice? It's making a big a big difference. There's an overhead to it. There's some really interesting stuff happening at the moment in the AI space with things like the GPT models that are coming out and then have come out and in the process of making big noise in terms of what they can do and what the potential is. But actually, the application of that is not as simple, right? And there are many concerns and issues around some of those technologies. There's lots of positives, but there's also some of the risk areas that need to be mitigated before you start to take that technology and put it out there without really understanding what it's capable of doing. Really, the understanding of what problem you're trying to solve and how you then apply some of that technology to it is very, very key. And also just understanding how you really limit some of the some of the capability of it to what your use cases are. So really making sure that you're leveraging things like the ability to, to train and maybe making more of a, a focus of the training element of it and pushing that downstream so that actually it, the experts within the business that are actually making those decisions to make that product a little bit more something that's relevant and de-risking some of those other elements. So we can definitely see kind of a shift in the pattern of, of how a technology rollout would have been done traditionally. Like if you had a, a BI system in the old days that you would be implementing, you would typically be running that as an IT project. And your IT team would be really focused on doing a lot of the product selection. And then, yes, there's interaction with the business to understand how to measure the KPIs and put those onto a dashboard that makes sense to them. But fundamentally, like the core of it was being driven by the IT and maybe the, the product vendor. Whereas I think that is now shifting. And then that brings its own challenges in terms of how you then push some of that responsibility down to lawyer level. Because ultimately, without their knowledge and experience and know-how and feeding that some of that knowledge into some of these generative models, the models are not as, as good as they need to be. So that's really the, well, one of the key things to make them successful and obviously one of the key challenges to make sure you've got the right people there to kind of feed the system with what it needs to have. You mentioned these risk factors. What are some concerns associated with AI and the GPT models that firms should be considerate of? There's a few. The most common and obvious one is this concept of hallucination, where it can do such a good job of generating a response that sometimes you can look at that response and take it as fact, but actually it's total rubbish. So the ability for the language model to be able to come back with something that, that's believable, but not necessarily in reality is something that's that's a big issue and needs to be managed right there are, there are controls you can put in place to make sure that those things don't cause cause issues but it really kind of makes it a little bit susceptible to being used in the wrong way right and if you take take what comes out of it as verbatim and use it in a particular situation that puts the the business at risk then obviously that that's a challenge where i think that kind of layer of legal expertise needs fit in there, right, to make sure that you kind of mitigate that risk is, is a real key. But then that adds an overhead to any of this, this kind, of, kind of technology. So I think that there's that aspect of it. The other aspect of it is that 
there is obviously like a limitation in terms of the amount of data that it's been trained on. So it go, goes up to 21, for example, at the moment. And while that will change over time, like there are limitations when it comes to things like understanding case law and changes in case law that might be relevant today. So you can't use it like just as is as a one-stop shop. You need to kind of, kind of combine it with other aspects to really be as useful as you need it to be. And yeah, and I think just from a cost benefit perspective, just understanding the difference between what you're paying for a product that has that AI capability and then the investment that you need to make to be able to make it useful, right? Like I think that balance has to be had. And I think a lot of people underestimate that because anybody can come into a demo and you can create that wow factor with a few questions and answers being reported back from a ChatGPT product. But at the end of the day, there's a gap between that and then making it relevant and actually useful and really something you can depend on. There are lots of benefits, but how you roll that out and how much investment is needed to get it there are two very key things. What are some best practices that you would recommend law firms use to select the appropriate tools for their unique practices? It's really about firstly making sure that you understand the problem that you're trying to solve with a product. A lot of times you kind of get this shiny new product syndrome where you see everybody else is buying an AI product, so we need to have an AI product, but you're not necessarily focusing on how, like exactly what problem you're solving with that AI product. So when it comes to implementing the product, it becomes challenging, right? Because you've got really nothing to measure against to really see that it's successful until you've fully rolled it out. And that could be a few months, it could be a year, depending on how much complexity there is to that product. So I think taking that step, step back before you even start the product selection process to say, like, what are the challenges we need to think about solving from a business perspective and documenting them so that there's a clear understanding of what that looks like is step one. I think the second step is then really looking at the, the kind of products that are available in that space that's going to solve your problem and fundamentally like developing a series of ROI statements, right? So that you truly understand that by buying a product for X dollars per seat, the actual return on investment could be monetary, right? It could be efficiency gains, whatever it might be. But fundamentally, like it's really making sure that you've got a clear understanding of what those return on investment criteria are, and then really making sure that you're measuring that through the project, making sure that once you've bought the product, you actually are in a position to say, now I've got my clear measurements in place, say this is going to be successful at this milestone. And then you have true value coming back from the product in the space of time that you're doing it. I'd also say that there's, there's a lot of value and benefit to thinking about POCing products. Vendors are typically open to working with customers to put a POC together so that you have an, a better understanding of what it is you're buying. Because again, there's only so much you can really get from a demonstration of a product versus actually seeing some of your data inside that product and actually seeing some of the kind of workflows and the way that you might interact with the product. That's really when you get the best sense of how you're going to leverage it, where some of the challenges and pain points might be. So I think working with vendors and be, who are open to doing a POC with you so that you can kind of understand that. And that also then limits the risk of the investment so that you can kind of do that a little bit of try before you buy or fully invest down that road. What are some of the non-technological barriers to technology adoption at law firms and how can law firms overcome them? The big one I see again and again is cultural, kind of cultural resistance to change. Like, and I think that's pretty common, not just in the legal industry, but across the board. But particularly when it comes to 
a lot of the lawyers that, that we deal with that may be very used to the way that they're operating, right? So introducing a change into the mix, even if it's something simple and maybe have bigger benefits later on down the road, fundamentally, just any kind of change is, is it can cause some resistance from in terms of really adopting that new technology. So we've seen lots of good examples. Like I remember a firm I was working with over here in, in London, and they were reasonable sized firm, about seven or 800 timekeepers. And they had bought a, a BI solution, implemented that BI solution over a period of six months. And it looked pretty good. It had, a, it had your typical Fiona dashboard, had all your usual stats on it, nothing too fancy, like it did, did the job, what the firm needed. And they rolled it out to all seven, 800 timekeepers. And they did an assessment after three months, how many people were actually regularly going to their dashboards to go and get this critical data. And can you guess how many out of that seven or 800 were actually using it? Eight out of all of them. So they'd invested all of this money in a solution, but because A, there was a resistance to actually go and self-serve, right? People were just not interested in going to self-serve. There was valuable data there, but them just having to click another link to go to another system to go and retrieve that data was just something that the lawyers in particular were not willing to do. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Bim Dave, the Executive Vice President at Helm 360, a provider of legal technology, products, and services. Bim, thanks so much. Thank you. Really good to be here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.